bırakın. I would like to start today's episode with a question and very basic, simple question, but something we could all check in with and that is what can I do today to take care of myself? This can be something very small and basic, such as if you're feeling a bit of a chill or perhaps grab a sweater or a blanket or you're feeling a bit hot, perhaps you can get a cold drink. And when asking this question, just see what appears, what arises. Often the, without using that energy to try and force something, to figure something out, the body itself knows what it needs in that moment. Perhaps the mind can speak in that way as well. free from desires and cravings, but just, oh, yes, I think I just need five minutes of not doing anything, just resting my eyes and just letting go of any tension in my body. Or perhaps taking care of yourself could mean a conversation with somebody, perhaps if you're in a scenario with living with others and there's something another person is doing or saying that's affecting you, perhaps there can be some thought into, okay, this is what I want to say or my intention and and you can communicate with that person from, from the deep place, which is you can even call that true sincerity and that's and that will be communicated as well through your words speaking from that place or taking care of yourself by doing some body movements some exercise or just some stretches going for a walk And it's carrying these things out in a state of non-resistance. Sometimes it can feel like, you know, I should be doing A, B and C. But you can always feel a resistance towards it. And it's almost trying to find that deeper voice to, to see what's okay, I've got these thoughts and, you know, I should be doing this, but there's also some resistance here and and it's just about finding your way through that without the tension and strain of trying to do the right thing. You know, I 
had this I had this uh, just before starting this recording I was sitting in front of my laptop as I am now um, I've got my in my spare time I, I write fiction and I was I had the novel I'm writing in front of me and I noticed there was no words coming it wasn't uh, I wouldn't call it writer's block but there's just something wasn't there It wasn't quite inspiration, but it was more just, I noticed my mind was feeling unwell. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could try and push and strain the mind to, to come up with sentences and words to continue the story. Or I could just not write. And in that moment, there were mental structures being formed. Bits of writing advice I've heard in the past about, you know, you must write every day, you need to write every day. And that was a haunting voice there and think, oh, yeah, but, you know. And I knew that's correct advice in, in some ways. To write regularly, I could, you know, I, I, that rings true. You know, whatever you do practice it's that's how you know improvement is made and there was something in me that just couldn't do it and I had to let go of not only not being able to write in this moment but let go of even the the idea of becoming a writer the idea of finishing this novel the idea the thoughts of regret all in that moment because that's what that's what arose if you don't write now then when are you going to write when it, when it, when are you going to finish this novel when are you going to feel you know fulfill your true potential as a writer this is what writers do they push through and and in that moment it was just a letting go I didn't have the energy to to absorb those thoughts perhaps on another day one of those thoughts would spark some energy and think okay yes you know I'm in my groove got my groove back to right but it didn't today and my mind wanted to make sense of that it wanted to try and repair something okay and if you didn't write today perhaps you can write double tomorrow <laughs> It's almost I can feel the mind holding on to something. Maybe the idea of being a published writer, it's holding on to that. It's got some value in that identity. Some self-worth, maybe. And it's almost letting go of that. It's not, uh, not giving up. You know, tomorrow I may be incredibly inspired to write and I'll be at my desk writing who knows but it's I feel it's trusting it's trusting in this moment that okay this is I'm not able to do this this is and you're almost trying to align with the now not align with an image of where you want to be 
because if that was the case right now I'd be you know straining my mind and churning out some words that you know who knows perhaps won't serve me down the road and so you're not trusting in the mind that has the image you know okay this is what I should be doing this is you know what I need to be doing this is what I want to become and it's almost a strain you're holding on to that you're chasing it that achievement and it's trusting in the letting go of this it's trusting that if, if that's if that's meant to be it will be it will happen in its own unfolding but it's often conditioning you know and it's you know psychology as well about it and there's, there's no right or wrong it just depends on the effect that it has on you and, and in this moment the psychology of achievement you know of routine and doing lots of hours and it's too much to absorb for me so I have to let that go and it's sometimes hard to make sense of it the mind tries to make sense of this even even now you know okay am I you know, the mind's asking the question, well, do you want to give up writing or are you a writer? It wants a concrete answer in this moment. You know, well, if you haven't written today, you know, you haven't written regularly for a while. And are you going to continue this or not? It wants answers, it wants precision in a world of imprecision, imp if that was a word. Sure, there's a, a word that exists for that. But. So, it wants precision in an imprecise world, where nothing is precise. It's all spontaneous in some ways, but our mind almost takes credit for it. So it may feel strange to try and trust in the now because it can seem very foreign. Muji refers to sometimes, you know, the now and the mind is, you know, different currencies. You know, we're used to dealing with pounds or euros and now suddenly you're dealing with dollars and so you may have some dollars in front of you and you refer back to the euros and pounds to see what the value is you know if you go to a supermarket and you pay pay for an item that's two dollars and you think okay two dollars for this specific item what's that in euros and pounds ah oh, okay yes that's that's a that price is okay and this is the same here you know we're in go into consciousness and we refer to the mind to think is, is that okay to do this and it can be can be quite draining to do as well giving something to the mind it, it doesn't have the right calculator for that there is no <laughs> calculator but 
yes, it's almost like looking at a beautiful painting and you've got a calculator in front of you and you're trying to gauge the painting through the calculator, trying to... And it's just, it's not the same. There's no... There's no connection for that to translate. And the same happens with the mind. The mind is almost, let's call it a calculator for the moment. It's obviously, it's much more than that. But just to simplify things and you're almost giving it abstract things abstract notions and it's trying to calculate and the abstract is the now how can that be measured so how can you take care of yourself today perhaps for me what I've done is not right Perhaps it's, it could be the absence of something as well. Perhaps I, I won't do this today, or for, the, for, the, for now I won't do this. Oh. Perhaps that's a, a useful question in, in these times. sections we, we looked at previously was from addictive to enlightened relationships that was a prior section and after that we looked at relationships as spiritual practice we almost referred to that as the antidote to relationships and this section is called why women are closer to enlightenment and it starts with a question and then I'll read the response immediately afterwards so here we go are the obstacles to enlightenment the same for a man as for a woman yes but the emphasis is different. Generally speaking, it is easier for a woman to feel and be in her body, so she is naturally closer to being and potentially closer to enlightenment than a man. This is why many ancient cultures instinctively choose female figures or analogies to represent or describe the formless and transcendental reality. It was often seen as a womb that gives birth to everything in creation and sustains and nourishes it during its life as form. In the Tao Te Ching, one of the most ancient and profound books ever written, the Tao, which could be translated as being, is described as infinite, eternally present. 
the mother of the universe. Naturally, women are closer to it than men since they virtually embody the unmanifested. What is more, all creatures and all things must eventually return to the source. All things vanish into the Tao, it alone endures. Since a source seen as female, since a source is seen as female, this is represented as the light and dark sides of the archetypal feminine in psychology and mythology. The goddess or divine mother has two aspects, she gives life and she takes life. When the mind took over and humans lost touch with the reality of their divine essence, they started to think of God as a male figure. Society became male-dominated and the female was made subordinate to the male. I am not suggesting a return to earlier female representations of the divine. Some people now use the term goddess instead of God. They are redressing a balance between male and female that was lost a long time ago. And that is good. But it is still a representation and a concept perhaps temporarily useful, just as a map or a signpost is temporarily useful, but more a hindrance than a help when you are ready to realize the reality beyond all concepts and images. What does remain true, however, is that the energy frequency of the mind appears to be essentially male. The mind resists, fights for control, uses, manipulates, attacks, tries to grasp and possess and so on. This is why the traditional God is a patriarchal, controlling authority figure. An often angry man you should live in fear of, as the Old Testament suggests. This God is a projection of the human mind. To go beyond the mind and reconnect with the deeper reality of being, very different qualities are needed. Surrender, non-judgment, an openness that allows life to be instead of resisting it the capacity to hold all things in the loving embrace of your knowing. All these qualities are much more closely related to the female principle, whereas mind energy is hard and rigid. Being energy is soft and yielding and yet infinitely more powerful than the mind. The mind runs our civilization, whereas being is in charge of all life on our planet, 
and beyond. Being is the very intelligence whose visible manifestation is the physical universe. Although women are potentially closer to it, men can also access it within themselves. At this time, the vast majority of men as well as women are still in the grip of the mind, identified with the thinker and the pain body. This of course is what prevents enlightenment and the flowering of love. As a general rule, the major obstacle for men tends to be the thinking mind and the major obstacle for women, the pain body. Although in certain individual cases the opposite may be true and in others the two factors may be equal. The next title is Dissolving the Collective Female Pain Body and it starts with a question. Why is the pain body more of an obstacle for women? The pain body usually has a collective as well as a personal aspect. The personal aspect is the accumulated residue of emotional pain suffered in one's own past. The collective one is the pain accumulated in the collective human psyche over thousands of years through disease, torture, war, murder, cruelty, madness and so on. Everyone's personal pain body also partakes of this collective pain body. There are different strands in the collective pain body. For example, certain races or countries in which extreme forms of strife and violence occur have a heavier collective pain body than others. Anyone with a strong pain body and not enough consciousness to disidentify from it will not only continuously or periodically be forced to relive their emotional pain, but may also easily become either the perpetrator or the victim of violence, depending on whether their pain body is predominantly active or passive. On the other hand, they may also be potentially closer to enlightenment. This potential isn't necessarily realised, of course, but if you are trapped in a nightmare, you will probably be more strongly motivated to awaken than someone who is just caught in the ups and downs of an ordinary dream. Apart from her personal pain body, every woman has her share in what could be described as the collective female pain body, unless she is fully conscious. This consists of accumulated pain suffered by women partly through male subjugation of the female, through slavery, exploitation, rape, childbirth, child loss and so on over thousands of years. The emotional or physical pain that for many women proceeds and coincides with the menstrual flow is the pain body in its collective aspect 
that awakens from its dormancy at that time, although it can be triggered at other times too. It restricts the free flow of life, energy, through the body, of which menstruation is a physical expression. Let's dwell on this for a moment and see how it can become an opportunity for enlightenment. Often a woman is taken a woman <laughs> a woman a woman is taken over by the pain body at that time. It has an extremely powerful energetic charge that can easily pull you into unconscious identification with it. You are then actively possessed by an energy field that occupies your inner space and pretends to be you. But, of course, is not you at all. It speaks through you, acts through you, thinks through you. It will create negative situations in your life so that it can feed on the energy. It wants more pain in whatever form. I have described this process already. It can be vicious and destructive. It is pure pain, past pain, and it is not you. The number of women who are now approaching the fully conscious state already exceeds that of men and will be growing even faster in the years to come. Men may catch up with them in the end, but for some considerable time, there will be a gap between the consciousness of men and that of women. Women are regaining the function that is their birthright and, therefore, comes to them more naturally than it does to men, to be a bridge between the manifested world and the unmanifested, between physicality and spirit. Your main task as a woman now is to transmute the pain body so that it no longer comes between you and your true self, the essence of who you are. Of course, you also have to deal with the other obstacle to enlightenment, which is the thinking mind, but the intense presence you generate when dealing with the pain body will also free you from identification with the mind. The first thing to remember is this, as long as you make an identity for yourself out of the pain, you cannot become free of it. As long as part of your sense of self is invested in your emotional pain, you will unconsciously resist or sabotage every attempt that you make to heal that pain. Why? Quite simply because you want to keep yourself intact and the pain has become an essential part of you. This is an unconscious process and the only way to overcome it is to make it conscious. To suddenly see that you are or have been attached to your pain can be quite a shocking realisation. The moment you realise this, you have broken the attachment. The pain body is an energy field, almost like an entity that has become temporarily lodged in your inner space. 
It is life energy that has become trapped, energy that is no longer flowing. Of course, the pain body is there because of certain things that happened in the past. It is the living past in you. And if you identify with it, you identify with the past. A victim identity is the belief that the past is more powerful than the present, which is the opposite of the truth. It is the belief that other people and what they did to you are responsible for who you are now, for your emotional pain or your inability to be your true self. The truth is that the only power there is contained within this moment. It is the power of your presence. Once you know that, you also realise that you are responsible for your inner space now. Nobody else is. And that the past cannot prevail against the power of the now. So we've reached a point of reflection, a symbol of pause. And I won't read any further today just simply because I'm not feeling too well um, in my energy. So my concentration is not so good today. So perhaps it's it may be good to have a slightly shorter episode of amongst the longer ones, but so this is section was uh, specific for Eckhart was addressing women and there we can see how our forms affect our awakening and also perhaps affect how we're awakening as well where Eckhart refers to you know if you're in a female form then there may be more challenges with the pain body as well as the mind but primarily the pain body and also you know the the menstrual cycle for women as well how that's a trigger for the pain body and it's a, an interesting point where he mentioned how women are evolving faster or there's more awakened beings in a female form and he talked about the I guess the soft nature of the feminine energy and with the how it's unyielding and he said there's there's power in that as well in not having rigidity you know often on the surface rigidity in that you know mind energy is seen as powerful but really it's 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 very brittle when you actually come closer to it okay so i will continue this uh, section uh, soon i think it's perhaps good to try and rest or listen to my mind and body and hold that in my awareness to, to see what they need and so 
Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I wish you well as always and I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care.